Well, let me uh, add my welcome to that of Matt's. My name's Phil. I'm on the staff here as one of the ministers. And I just want to take a few minutes of your time to look at that talk that we had earlier from Luke chapter 1, if you want to turn back to it. Uh, the little numbers are just called verses. And I just want to, to spend a couple of minutes looking at it. It's that time, I, I know some of us are panic buying presents. So, but I wonder, not the presents you've been given, what's the worst present you've received? I'm sure we've all received unwelcome presents. I like to think I'm something of a, an expert on this. You see, the first year of our marriage, I decided to show the reckless, romantic nature of my extravagant love for my wife, and I bought her an alarm clock. <laughs> I now know that on Christmas morning, my wife doesn't want to hear the words, but darling, it is so practical and useful. I like to think we've both learned something from that experience. But I, I actually don't think it's the worst present. The worst present given to somebody I, I know personally was a guy who, when he was a teenager, was given an edible chocolate thong by his grandmother. <laughs> but even that pales into insignificance uh, compared to the lady who wrote into Time magazine. And she said that for the last few years, her mother-in-law had given her clothes for Christmas. And every year, as soon as she'd opened them, the mother-in-law had loudly exclaimed, Oh dear, I'll have to take that back and exchange it. It's at least two sizes too small. You'd never get into that at your current weight. (sighs) Yeah, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? There are some highly unwelcome presents given probably by people in this room. And there are some highly unwelcome presents received by us too. But nothing, nothing can come close to being as unwelcome as the first present ever given. And we're going to look, at, uh, look back at Luke 1, which is uh, right at the start of Luke's reliable historical account of the life of Jesus Christ uh, from the first century historian Luke. And as we do, I want us to see that the most unwelcome gift of all time, in a huge reversal, uh, turns all expectations on its head and it turns out to be the greatest present ever given, not just to Mary, but to you and to me. Uh, look with me, uh, verses 26 to 27. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So picture the scene. There's young Mary, and she's up in Nazareth, which is a little village in the north of Israel, miles from the capital. Basically think Hull, but a little less glamorous. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a nowhere sort of a place. Nowhere famous, nobody famous comes from there. No one in their right mind goes to there. Nothing happens there. It's absolute nowheres, Phil. But Mary doesn't care. She's happily planning her wedding to Dave, uh, to um, her soon-to-be husband Joseph, who's a descendant of David, the great Israelite king. Now, back in the Old Testament, God had promised a couple of times that a descendant of David would reign forever as the king of God's people. But the truth is, Joseph is miles away from the throne. Uh, He's a carpenter, not a prince. Uh, Not that they care. They're busy planning their future together, looking forward to their wedding, making their plans, dreaming their dreams. When all of a sudden, an angel appears to Mary. Because while nobody on earth really knows their names, they're not that sort of people. In heaven, they are very well known. And verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
Now, I've, uh, frank, personally, I've never had an angel appear to me, but I can imagine it's a slightly troubling experience. And so the angel goes to pain to say, look, don't worry, I haven't come to announce the end of the world. I've actually come with great good news, with wonderful news that God loves you. And God looks on you with great favor, Mary. And God wants to give you a wonderful privilege. And what will that be? What is this good news that he announces? Verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You're going to have a baby when you're not married. In a culture where they stoned adulterers to death. And this is a sign of God's favor. Can you imagine the conversation that evening when Joseph drops by after work to finalize the wedding list? Uh, how, was your, how was your day, Mary? Oh, yeah, you know, all right. Look, I think I might actually go for the larger size in the wedding dress. Um, actually, do you think they make it with stretchy panels? Why? Well, you know how it is with all the wedding planning. I haven't got much time for exercise anymore. And they have opened a new Krispy Kreme right next door to work. Oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, while I was on lunch break today, an angel of the Lord appeared in blazing glory and told me I'm pregnant. How was your day? <laughs> and this is a sign that she has found favor with God. It has to be said, it looks like the very opposite of blessing to tell a woman in that culture that you're going to have a baby before you're even married. It seems the very opposite of blessing. It must have been as welcome as leprosy to Mary at that moment. But actually, that pattern fits perfectly with the life that follows for the baby Jesus. Now, this is the Jesus who said that in God's kingdom, many people who are first and great in this world will be nothing. And many of those who are despised and ignored and overlooked and counted as worthless in the eyes of this world will be greatly esteemed by God in his heavenly kingdom. Uh, This is the Jesus who received the notorious sinners, uh, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, who had a a position in society somewhere similar to drug dealers today. Yet when they said, have mercy on us, and turned to Jesus confessing their faults, he forgave them and welcomed them in God's name. But the religious elite, all those who are right at the front of the queue in our eyes when it comes to who's in and who's out, Jesus turned his back on them and condemned them for their hypocrisy and their judgmentalism. The pattern of Jesus' life is the pattern of this pregnancy. Everything is turned on its head and nothing is as it seems. The very first Christmas present, let's face it, was a deeply unwelcome one. A perplexing pregnancy that must have felt like anything but good news for the poor girl who was planning her wedding at the time. But it is a sign of God's favour Because the amazing identity of the baby that's revealed in this passage. Uh, Look on to the second half of verse 31. So you will be with child and give birth to a son, the angel says, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. At which point, Mary, who is concentrated in her biology classes at school, interjects and says, hang on a second. How will this be, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, I know every parent thinks their child is special. I've read your Christmas letters. But the angel explains, the angel explains, uh, there's something special going on here. Something truly special. This is no ordinary child. Verse 35 The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now it's important to notice what the angel doesn't say. He doesn't say, what's the problem with a virgin birth? Yeah, that happened all the time. You see, the angel, God, the Bible agrees that virgin births are impossible. They can't happen. They don't happen. It's happening because the God who made the rules of science, who made nature the way it is, is stepping in, is breaking the laws he set up to do something different. He is going to overshadow Mary with his power. He will do something as as weird, as unique, as marvelous, as mysterious as when before there was any physical matter, he spoke a word and all the trillion, 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 trillion atoms of the universe came into being. This is no ordinary pregnancy and this will be no ordinary child. If Prince George becomes our monarch one day, his title will be His Majesty George, is it the seventh? I have no idea. Seventh? Does that sound right? No royal watches. Seventh. We'll go with seventh. By the grace of God of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of his other realms and territories, King, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. Try signing that in the box on your passport form. (laughs) It is impressive, but actually it gets nowhere near this baby that Mary will have. He'll be named Jesus, verse 31, which means God saves. He will be great, verse 32, the son of the most high. He will sit on the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 35, he will be holy, the son of God. In other words, it is good news for you, Mary, to be pregnant at this moment in your life because the son you will have will be God in human flesh. Come to live with us. A couple of years ago, the the fabulously wealthy Swedish footballer Zlatan Ibrahimovic was asked by a reporter at a news conference, what are you buying your wife for Christmas? And he looked bemused and said, nothing. She already has Zlatan. Which (laughs) you have to admire his chutzpah at that point. (laughs) And this is God's present to us. God is giving us himself. Only God is not just an extravagantly talented footballer with a robust sense of self-esteem and a unique talent for overhead kicks. He is our creator. Come to give us the rule and the justice we desperately need. Come to save us. Come to reveal himself to us. Come to bring relationship with him, our God and King. Now look, I doubt there are going to be any great surprises in the life of the next royal baby to be born sometime next year. We know how it will run with a royal baby. He or she will attend one of the posher public schools. And after university, where he'll uh, study media studies or art history, if it's a boy, he'll join his favorite part of the army. If it's a girl, she'll set up a niche business serving inedible cupcakes to equestrian discos or something like that. And then all time will be spent on trade visits in Commonwealth countries, smiling at natives and opening opening shopping centers. We just know how it will run. We've seen it before. It's how it always runs. But the life of God's King Jesus was anything but predictable. It turned every expectation of a king on its head. He lived in obscurity and poverty for a start. And when he finally did emerge into public life, at the age of 30, he was the ultimate anti-establishment figure. He spent almost no time in the capital city. 
And he never hobnobbed with the rich and famous. Instead, he spent his time with the unwelcome, the unwanted, the unclean. With those none of us want in our house. And all of us would wash our hands after shaking hands with. Those were the people he hung out with. And when he did come to Jerusalem, it wasn't for a lavish coronation ceremony. It was for a cruel crucifixion as he was nailed to a cross in a public humiliating death. Instead of being robed in splendor and praised by the people that he taught and healed and fed, they bade for his blood and cheered as he was hung in naked agony and died in public. But again, it was a great reversal. Again, it turned everything on its head. Because as is fitting for this man, Jesus, his agonizing public shaming death was actually the moment of great triumph. How fitting that he should give us forgiveness by being himself declared guilty in our place. That he should bring us close to God by being cast out of God in our place. That he should bring us eternal life by being killed in the place of you and me. Now we all get our share of unwelcome Christmas gifts. I actually know uh, it is a friend of a friend, but I have it on good authority. This one's true. Uh, He opens his Christmas presents with two boxes that he brings down every Christmas. One marked keep, the other marked charity shop. And he opens the presents, considers them and files them accordingly. (laughs) Can you imagine? Now some presents are unwelcome because they're just rubbish, you know, solar-powered torches and DVDs of Mamma Mia, which apparently are the most unwanted present ever given in this country. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who's ever given or been given one, but I guarantee none of you still own them. Other presents, though, other presents are unwelcome, not because they're useless, but because they're insulting. Gym membership. (laughs) Acne cream. Odor-cancelling underpants none of which I have been given, I hasten to add. What's the problem with God's present? Well, it's obvious how unwelcome it is for Mary, but for the rest of us, God's present to mankind is unwelcome because it's, it's intrusive. Do you see? The angel says he has come to reign on David's throne and his kingdom will never end. In other words, God sending his son to us was not a state visit. It was a coup d'etat. God was saying... Here is my king. You are to worship him. Which means that you and I are not free to run our lives as we want. The universe is not a democracy as if we get to choose who's in charge. God has declared, my son, Jesus Christ, is the king. And as our creator, he has declared his ownership rights over us through sending Jesus Christ to us to reign on David's throne. So it's not enough for me to live my life and to be true to myself. Actually, that's not enough. I have to be true to my God, my creator, my king. Now, what does this mean then for us as we we turn to face Christmas? Well, I guess if you would uh, call yourself a Christian, if you would say you follow Jesus, this is good news. Because what we learn here is that God has not turned his back on this world in spite of everything we see. He has sent his son to save us from our sin. That weird word the Bible uses, it just means our selfish rejection of God and the way that we just basically act like the world revolves around me. And I love me more than I ever love anybody else. Uh, God has sent us his son to save us from that. Because that's the root of all the suffering in the world. He sent us his son to forgive us 
by dying for us and to reign, to bring the rule and the justice that this world needs. You know, in a world where over 150 kids get slaughtered for turning up to school, that was their only crime. We need a source of hope that's a bit more robust than another band-aid or the Christmas cheer. But don't despair at Christmas. Don't become cynical. God has not given up hope for this world. He has sent his son to bring us hope. Put your hope in his King Jesus Christ. He is the one who has conquered death and one day will return to bring his perfect rule for all people. And if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then live as his subject this Christmas. Live as if you follow the one who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Live as if you follow the one who said, I've come not to be served, but to serve. Live as if you follow the one who said, love your enemies, even if you're related to them. I guess there'll be others of us here for whom Jesus is a bit more like the Queen's speech, if we're honest. Have you heard this year, the big news, the Queen's speech, apparently she might announce her abdication. Bookies have stopped taking bets on it. There's been such a big pattern of, of, of bets laid. Frankly, I think it's just a shame that she doesn't let Prince Philip do it just once. I mean, can you imagine Prince Philip doing the Queen's speech at Christmas? Yes. Oh, it would be wonderful. Um, I can't imagine them getting through the broadcast. But anyway, uh, that's for another time. But I think that for many of us, actually, Jesus is much like the Queen's speech. He's part of the Christmas tradition. We recognize he's uh, worthy of respect. We perhaps give some reverence to him. But it makes no difference for the rest of our year. We nod to him at Christmas and that's it. I just want to put you on the spot for a moment, if I may. You see, I think you've got to give Jesus some serious attention at some point in your adult life. You know, there are a whole load of fruitcakes and weirdos out there claiming to be God. And life is far too short to, to pay attention to all of them, frankly. But Jesus is different. Three quarters of the world know who he is. A quarter of the world claim to base their life on him. Whole cultures have been built on his teaching. Every eyewitness that we have shows him to be the kindest, most truthful human to ever draw breath. And when that man claims to be God, you can't just ignore him. You have to take his claim seriously. To be a thinking adult, you have to at some point engage in the debate of who is Jesus Christ. He claims to be your king. Now, I don't know what you make of that, but let me tell you what you can't do. You can't respond to that by saying, well, that's an inspiring message. I enjoyed the service tonight. It's the one thing I'm not going to allow you to do this evening while I'm standing here. You can say it's ridiculous. I just can't believe in a virgin birth and any of that nonsense. You can say that. But I would urge you to look at the evidence before you write off Jesus Christ. You can say it's insulting to say the only real hope for the world is in the Christian God, Jesus Christ. To say that I've got to be saved from my sins by Jesus dying, that is just insulting. You can say that, but again, I'd urge you to look around at the world and to read what Jesus said and did before you reject him. Because if it's true, then it is the very best news of all time. God has come to our broken world and he has come with love and justice and truth, and mercy, and forgiveness. He has come to bring eternal peace and joy, and he has come to save you and me, because we need it. And you and I need to look carefully at this Jesus Christ before we work out which box to put him in. 
Make sure we're really sure we know what we're doing before we ignore and discard him. Because this is a present that promises eternal joy and peace and hope. So a friend of mine um, planned his engagement. It was the classic one of uh, go out for a nice meal, the ring in glass of champagne at the end of the meal, everyone's happy. And uh, he teed it up with the restaurant, all fine and happy. And they got to the end of the meal, and it hadn't gone well because he was so tense and nervous. So basically they had an argument during the meal. And uh, his wife-to-be was quite tired and stressed. She was in the middle of doing her law school exams. And it got to the end, and he said, let's have some champagne. She said, I don't want some champagne. Let's have some champagne. <laughs> you know, in that way you do when you're feeling calm and relaxed. And she said, I've got to work. I've got a headache. I don't want some champagne. He said, let's have champagne and ordered it over. She was very annoyed. He'd ordered it anyway until she saw what was in the glass. Up to that moment, she thought she was ignoring, rejecting champagne, which is a nice drink, but she just wasn't in the mood. She had no idea she was rejecting a diamond ring and a promise of marriage. Many of us think it's fine. I don't get your Jesus. He's good for you. Doesn't work for me. We haven't realized he's not just another glass of champagne that some people enjoy. There is a diamond ring. There is the promise of an endless relationship with God. Let me encourage you this Christmas, if you've never done it before, why not take one of the Luke's Gospels that sit and sat on your seat? Why not read for yourself? Take 90 minutes to read for yourself about the life of Jesus Christ through a reliable historian. Or why not come uh, early in the new year to a Christianity Explored course? Um, Matt will give a few more details about that later. But God has given us the greatest gift of all time. Why not unwrap it this Christmas? Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you so much that although the gift of Jesus must have seemed so unwelcome to Mary, that in fact it was the most wonderful gift ever given. Thank you that in Jesus there is hope for our world. And there is hope for each one of us. Help us, we pray, whether we're new or familiar with these things, to understand more of the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas. Amen.